When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, and we have a different Kevin here today. Not Kevin Henry with me today. It is Kevin Larson, who is one of our contributors on the site. Kevin, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing today, Noah? I am doing excellent in a snowy Ohio. And you guys have snow out there, too. Great. This absolutely great end of April weather. Just fantastic April weather. I mean, I, so this is, I've lived in Colorado for a majority of my life. We've had more snowstorms recently and it kind of, you know, you start to hear more headlines. I didn't realize that April was our second snowiest month here in Colorado. Like I always knew March, you always warn everybody that, you know, moves into Colorado. You're like, Hey man, you're going to expect snow in December, January, but March is what you got to look out for. You don't think about April. (laughs) <laughs> well, like I told Kevin on our last podcast, it was it was last year at Christmas. It was 70 degrees. And this time in April, we had a foot of snow. And like, what's going on? It's <laughs> it's just nuts, man. We get we get all sorts of weather here in March and April. Well, and two, because my birthday's here in April. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I would always since I'm here in Ohio, we my parents would take me to Indians games to for a birthday present every mm-hmm. single time it's snow. every single time <laughs> it snowed at least five times five years in a row right well and it, may, it, may, it makes sense too that we got a little bit of snow right around the time that the mets were in town kind of feel yeah. like every time they come by you know the you, the mets just bring the snow <laughs> well that and also too they already had seven uh, six or seven postponements before their postponement at the rock it, 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 it just seemed too natural and too predictable man <laughs> so before we go any further our sponsor is earth echo foods as they are one uh, one of our sponsors that we will mention here today um and specifically earth echo foods cacao bliss it's a chocolate that will help you remove cravings facilitate weight loss boost your energy and reduce inflammation, all while being gluten and soy-free, as well as paleo, keto, vegetarian, and vegan-friendly. Currently, they are offering 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15 at checkout at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. That's MINUTE and the number 1-5 at checkout at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia and start having chocolate the guilty-free way today. So, here... T- Today, we're going to talk a few different things. We're going to talk about the Rockies series sweep of the Astros. We're going to look ahead, and we're also going to talk some of the recent uh, news, particularly for those of us who are sometimes, unfortunately, on the Twitter.com machine, as I call it. Um, And then also, too, we're going to go into Kevin's wheelhouse of betting odds and picks for this weekend. So. First off, looking at the series with Houston, the Rockies swept the Astros, which they the Astros had had the Rockies number, but they also don't have trash cans now. So perhaps <laughs> you know, I so had somewhat, they got they we had fans get kicked out today for bringing trash cans. Yeah, and apparently there were some yesterday too. So if you, you knew it was going to happen, <laughs> um, so. But with the Rockies, the offense finally broke out some uh, after not having a great start to the season. But there's still a few guys who are struggling at the plate. For example, Charlie Blackman, he after having a three-game hitting streak, he went hitless in the series. 
but he did draw three walks. Uh, Rymel Tapia also had three walks. He had a few hits as well. Um, but the main strong point was the Rockies rotation, which they've been, we figured they would be the strong point for the season, but especially in the last week or so, they have definitely been the strong point for the team. Yeah, and I, and I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, when we talk about the Astros have had the Rockies number, um, you know, I sit back and think about every time that they come into Coors Field. I feel like besides that one, uh, was it a Charlie Blackman walk-off uh, a year or so ago? Um, I feel like besides that game, the anytime we see the Astros, it's never great news for the Rockies. Um, so the fact that we actually had a sweep, mind you, it's just a two-game sweep, but it's a sweep with the 2021 Colorado Rockies. Um, that was pretty impressive. I definitely did not see that coming. Um, John Gray, he's he's continued to just have, uh, you know, just great performances, great starts out of him. Um, you know, he needed to, you know, have a little bit more of a, uh, of a get right year. Um, and, he, and he's had it. He's come through in quite a few of his games. And then I think that we're seeing the same thing with Austin Gomber. Um, you know, outside of his first start with the Dodgers, it seems like he's toned down a little bit. Maybe he had some nerves there uh, in that first, uh, in that first, in his first start against the Dodgers. Um, but he's starting to really come through. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's impressive to see at least at the start of April here that um, he's, they're helping to keep the Rockies in games, at least early, right? Um, but they're giving the Rockies a fighting shot. And uh, it, it, they continue to be the strength of the team, kind of a continuation from our past few years, right? We've got a nice, good starting rotation, and it gives the Rockies hope. Yeah, and entering today's game where Gomber – did pitch well. He went six innings and allowed two runs. Entering the game, the Rockies had a starter's ERA of 349, which was sixth in the NL. Um, and they've only allowed more than four runs, four earned runs, I should say, in one game this year. And that was the second game of the season. <laughs> they've gone seven games in a row without allowing more than three earned runs in any game. And also, too, five of those seven have been quality starts, meaning they gave up, uh, they went at least six innings, which frankly is a good thing for the Rockies, especially when, when we were talking about this on the last podcast. If with the possibility of having a doubleheader this series because of the snow, the Rockies actually would probably like to play a few doubleheaders because they're only seven innings and therefore they get to go to the bullpen less. That's a, that's a good point. You point out, you know, all of the quality starts that we've gotten. And if your starters are getting five to six innings and, uh, you know, in that seventh inning, you can just bring in Daniel Bard. Um, probably a good recipe for success for the Rockies. So, yeah, maybe maybe we need more snow. How long does snow stop here in Colorado? Can we go into June, July? Yeah, August? you might see June, <laughs> July. And you, you never know, though, because it, it's like here in Ohio. And if you see in the same week snow and 90 degrees, it, it's not surprising. So <laughs> we had, we had that in September too, Labor Day. We had that same situation. Oh, yeah. Just yep. incredible. So yeah, for the Rockies bullpen though, since they've, since the starters have been giving the quality starts, there's been a few guys we haven't seen a long time. For example, Ben Bowden, we have not seen since April 13th, jo uh, Jordan Sheffield, April 11th. Tyler Kinley and Carlos Estevez, they've been a week, April 15th. And Ulysse Chassin has also been since April 13th. So especially when for this homestand with the Phillies after the off day tomorrow, which you're probably going to be hearing this today as we're recording this Wednesday night, you're probably going to see more of the bullpen, even though the Rockies are going to be having three really good starters going, arguably their three best starters in Marquez, Gray, and Senzatella. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's definitely going to be, um, you know, having Marquez and Senzatella. I'm actually seeing Chichi Gonzalez uh, being the first game against the and Phillies. But Bud Black actually said that they're going to skip Chichi Gonzalez. Ah, okay. So ESPN just hasn't caught up on me yet. All right. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Those are the right guys that you want on the Hill for a team who is performing significantly better at Coors Field right now compared to on the road. So if you're trying to get a series win um, against a team like the Phillies, that's, uh, those, those are the guys you want on the Hill. 
Yeah, and with Gonzalez, he is going to be pushed back to the Giants series, which that will be they'll be going back to San Francisco. Mm. And we've talked about that on the podcast before, going from elevation to sea level. They're going to be doing it again by going to starting their second road trip of the year, same as they did the first, going to San Francisco. Um, so perhaps if the Rockies do run into trouble, particularly on Friday, perhaps Chichi Gonzalez could be in a long relief role, but um, he'll, he'll be at least in the starting rotation starting next week. Um, so with Marquez too, he's been after the same thing with Gomber. He, they started out rough control wise, but they've definitely been better in their last few starts. And, like we said, that's that's the strength of the team, and it's nice to see now that after a few rough starts, that they're they're definitely starting to come into their own. Speaking of coming into their own, is one of the uh, pitchers that the Rockies are going to face this weekend is Aaron Nola of the Phillies, and he former All Star, and he is arguably one of the best pitchers in the National League. As in fact, in 2018. He came in third in the Cy Young Award voting. And of course, Kyle Freeland came fourth in the voting. Um, and then Nola last year as well, he came in seventh in the NL Cy Young Award voting. So f- that will be a big test for the Rockies offense. It's it's definitely going to be a big test. And like I'm looking at some of his uh, high-level stats here right now. Um, I don't think you need any advanced stats to tell you that an ERA of 2.19 and a whip of 0.97 uh that's pretty good <laughs> and even if you go into those uh more advanced stats is fielding independent pitching is better than his era and, and that's a good point because that says that he's gotten unlucky at some points you know <laughs> which is what that points towards so to think that you can improve even further on that uh that's a, that's a bit of a scary situation and yeah, if especially when you have a 2.19 ERA, if you're unlucky <laughs> and you have a 2.19 ERA, that you're doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah, he's he's it's uh, maybe a little rough for the Rockies, but hopefully they can t- jump on him early, or you know we can keep the game close early and uh, you know try to you know crank something out late in the game. And for the last three seasons for him, he has struck out. 10.2, 12.1, and 10.2 batters per nine innings. That's including this. Oof. And this year, he he has 24 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has walked three batters. So that's an average of 1.1 per nine innings. That is uh, – that's the definition of control is yeah. what it sounds like to me. And also, too, and we'll talk about this a little bit later – that is something that's not good for the Rockies' current lineup situation. As you've probably seen if you've watched any of the games, the Rockies, their, their dis- plate discipline is not one of their strengths at this point. No, I think that you got a team that uh, I think that they walked the fewest. uh, They have the fewest walks in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, going up against a pitcher who walks probably the fewest batters in the majors, um, or at least is leading that category and is up there. Uh, that's definitely going to be, uh, um, not a great recipe for success for the Rockies, or at least not a good matchup, um, going into it. Yeah. And at least they will have, uh, going against him. So assuming he pitches like he has the last couple of starts, then we might not see a Coors field game, even though of course it's, it's always fun uh, listening to the visiting broadcasters, and I have been recently, of how many times they mentioned cores. And with Houston, we saw that. So we'll have to see with Philadelphia how they how they do it as well. But on the other side of this break, we're going to talk some of the news of the week, particularly on Twitter. Um, and then we're also going to talk some betting odds and all that for this weekend. So we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. And we are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. No Yingling and Kevin Larson here with you today. Not Kevin Henry. It's We've said we switched out Kevins on you. So There's um, too many of us. <laughs> yeah, there, there's too many Kevins. We, we've got two with us, and there's there's too many on Twitter, too. There's too many people on Twitter in general. But I uh, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, 
Um, some of the uh, musings of the past uh, 72 hours or so, actually a little bit less than that, but um, is the Nolan Arenado uh, MVP case and cases for multiple years and how he was gypped, in other words. And I think we're both of the same mind where he had really good seasons, but he didn't have MVP quality seasons. Yeah, and he's he's one of those players where in the discussion on Twitter, I think one of the good ways that um, somebody put it, I want to say that it was Brian Kilpatrick of Mile High Sports. Um, I believe that he had said like there have been times, you know, where like um, Nolan has always been one of those players that is great but he hasn't necessarily in some areas kind of reached that level of being elite. Um, obviously we know that as a defensive third baseman, he's easily the best defensive third baseman in the league. Um, I don't think there's any arguing that, but when you start to look at um, just his hitting stats overall, and particularly more of his advanced hitting stats, when you're looking at a stat like uh, uh, WRC plus where he's had a career high of 133, which I think, anyone in the majors, any team in the majors wants a hitter that, you know, has a, has a hitter that's hitting with the WRC plus of 133. That's pretty good. Um, but when you're competing with other guys that are on that elite level that are having that elite um, MVP season, they're usually putting up a number of like 150, 160, or you reach like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts in 2018, I think it was, and you're hitting 170 and above. Um, that's just, that's, that's so tough. And it sets all of those other hitters over the edge. Um, and because Nolan has never gotten there, you don't quite see that add up into um, his stats like war, where I think a lot of, a lot more of the voters now, I think are more in tune to um, things like war and understanding exactly what they say and how, um, you know, that and how much it really captures a player's value. Um, it, you know, when you look at a stat difference where, you're hitting like maybe 20 to 30 points lower than, excuse me, you're uh, than the MVP favorite. It's just, it's tough. It's tough to overcome. So, um, you know, he's just, he's just never broached that level as a hitter. Um, he's been close, <laughs> but he's never fully eclipsed that point. Yeah. And, and that's, I think there's definitely a case to be made where there has been some cores bias in some ways um, mm -hmm. by some uh, particularly writers in the East Coast, and uh, I'll flat out say New York writers um, or New York media. But mm -hmm. and, and there's even cases for, and I, I believe you were in on this thread on Twitter, of Todd Helton in 2000. I, it was a pretty clear-cut case that he should have won the MVP, if you, even if you don't look at war, if you just look at some of the mm -hmm. other stats. But at the time... 20 years ago, there was such a Coors bias. And, that, and that's what I think makes even Larry Walker's MVP win three years prior to that even more surprising, um, mm -hmm. considering the, the backlash there was at the time with, and then of course it was pre-humidor, but still it's, I think it's something where Arenado was very good. I mean, after all, he got five straight uh, MVP finishes in the top 10, but he, he wasn't quite at that offensive level where, I mean, you could even say he was, he was just a slight step below elite because, I mean, he led the NL in homers and RBIs for a couple of years. But especially playing at Coors Field, he just wasn't quite at that level. Yeah, no. And I think that, you know, when we start to, you know, even talk about more of the park factored stats and, you know, some of the people having that, um, that East Coast bias that is going to influence it, where you look at Coors and you say, hey, this is uh, influencing a hitter so much, right? Um, some of those stats are pretty harsh uh, to players that play for the Rockies. And, um, you know, but in how it should adjust, I think it should adjust, you know, their, uh, their stats, like their WRC plus probably a couple points, right? So if you're looking at Nolan, 
in 2018, I believe it was, and he put up a, um, a WRC plus of 133. Maybe that gets adjusted to 136, 137, potentially 140 if it's really, you know, like if, if, if we're, they're really holding it back. But does that really kind of, you know, does it push him over the next level to everybody else that had won it? You know, like if you look at um, his case in 2016, there was a lot of noise for we want Nolan to be MVP in 2016. And he had a great year. He finished three war behind Chris Bryant. That's a hefty gap. I don't think a few points in, uh, you know, in WRC plus is going to fix that. Um, you know, kind of the same with Stanton the next year. He was 1.6 war behind Stanton. And even, even in that, um, according to Fangraph's war, he was 0.9 F war um, behind Blackman. So you have that kind of cannibalizing as well. And in 2018, he was 1.9 behind Christian Yelich. Um, it's, it's just tough. And I don't think that any tweaks that you could make to these advanced stats would, you know, basically catapult him above the rest. I just don't think that it's there. Yeah. And the thing is too, if you look at the different years, it, well, from 2015 to 2019, he came in eighth, fifth, fourth, third, and sixth mm -hmm. in the NL MVP voting. And if you look at the non-pitchers by MVP votes in war for him, and I say non-pitchers because they have the Cy Young Award where mm -hmm. I think now recently, of course, there's Justin Verlander and I believe 2012 where he won the MVP and Cy Young Award. But you have to have you ha a pitcher has to, at least for me, has to be so far ahead of a hitter to mm -hmm. to win the MVP award and the Cy Young Award. So mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the non-pitchers by MVP votes in war, it was seventh. In 2015, uh, he was seventh, uh, fourth in 2016, third in 2017, tied for third in 2018, and he was second in 2019. So realistically, if it wasn't for the Rockies being out of contention in 2019, and he came in sixth, that was the year that he got gypped the most, where he came in, uh, he came in sixth in the voting, but and by war of position players, he was second. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, some, that's something where it is like, okay, if you want to look at more of the, uh, um, you know, more of the narratives that might push over, that would be one where because the Rockies were, you know, not contending for a wild card spot, not in the playoff spot, they kind of overlooked it, um, you know, and then even, you know, sometimes, sometimes with the voting, that doesn't matter. I think that if you looked at uh, Joey Votto in 2016, when he came in second in the NL MVP voting, he was just, you know, so much higher in terms of war that it kind of, you know, made you look past the record that the Cincinnati Reds had that year, um, you know, and that, that catapulted his, uh, catapulted his voting. Really. I was one of the guys that, um, in 2017, when I was looking at that, my mindset has always been like, okay, even if you have like a really great season like that, I kind of, I personally want to see a player that's still on a team that is competing and that is close. Right. So I kind of looked at that as, you know, there's no debate between Stanton and, uh, Joey Votto because, just where they are in the standings, really, even though both, neither of them made the playoffs, but uh, Stanton was, you know, a little closer to that. Um, but with Nolan's case too, like that's just kind of furthering the point of, you know, you have to be, have to be having so significantly good of a season to really be able to win MVP and kind of really breach that um, MVP, that uh, elite level that we kind of talked about earlier. Yeah. And if we look back to how we were talking earlier about 97 and 2000, if you look at 2000, for example, it was Jeff Kent that won. And mm. he had a good season, 7.2 war, 33 homers, 125 RBI, hit 334, 424, 596. And he got 22 of the uh, 31st place votes. So it wasn't even really that close of a vote. Barry Bonds came in second and he had a 7.7 .7 war. 49 homers, 106 RBI. So 16 more homers, but he had 19 less RBI. Um, he walked 117 times, which side note, look at Barry Bond's stats from the 2000s. I mean, they're just absolutely mind boggling. And, and there's a reason why he won seven MVPs. But with those, did you say 127 walks? Yeah. Or 117? Can we, uh, uh, can we have him? Can we have him teach his uh, plate approach to the 2021 Rockies? Because I think they could use a few of those. Well, also, too, <laughs> if, if look at two, uh, 
and again, this is a tangent, but 2004 for him, 45 homers, 101 RBI. He had 232 walks. That 232. He was struck my, out 41 times. And mind you, of those 232 walks, more than half were intentional walks. I mean, that is, it's, it, it's so crazy to think about, um, you know, like I, I wish that he hadn't have done steroids so that the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, decision with him could be less controversial and a little bit more decisive because uh, you, you sit there and you look at that and you're just like, how, how does anyone do better? He had four straight seasons of a 231 OPS plus or better. And that 2004 season, his on-base percentage was 609. 609. Not three, not four, not five, 609. He, he, he got on base 61% of the time. He got out 39% of the time. That's just incredible, man. Incredible. <laughs> if you have it flipped, you have a Hall of Famer. Right? On thirty nine percent of the time, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, I mean, crazy to think about. So then, Mike Piazza in two thousand came in third, and he had uh, thirty eight homers, one hundred and thirteen RBI, three twenty four average, three ninety eight on base, six fourteen slugging, five point one WAR. Jim Edmonds came in fourth, six point three WAR. Todd Helton though was fifth, fifth, and he had the top war of all the all 22 players that got an mvp vote and he had 42 homers 147 rbi he hit 372 463 obp and a 698 slugging so a 1.162 ops it's yeah, it's that's incredible. And I mean, that definitely there shows you the Coors bias, right? That was, you know, back in the day when everyone thought that we were playing on a moon, right? <laughs> and that, you know, we didn't have the humidor um, and we were still trying to understand everything. And unfortunately, you know, I think that's an area where uh, the writers did discredit Todd's accomplishments just because because more of Coors. I mean, you know, you look back at it. I don't think there's any other way that you can really try to um, splice it up. That's just that's what it was um unfortunately and the thing is too if you look at larry walker's one in 1997 he was actually number one in war which at the time nobody knew what war was 25 years ago but right it wasn't a close vote for him either he had 22 first place votes at the time it was only uh 28 votes because of, there was two votes per team there was only uh 28 teams at the time and um, so 14 in the NL, um, but he had, he had a 9.8 war and the next highest was Craig Biggio at 9.4 war. He didn't get any first place votes. <laughs> Mike Piazza came in second. He got three first place votes. And then Jeff Bagwell came in third in the voting and he got three first place votes, but that wasn't even a close one. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, especially comparing to Biggio, uh, with Walker, it was, it, you can definitely, I would think there was actually a little bit more of a difference of the 9.8 to 9.4. Um, but mm -hmm. for Walker, he had 49 homers, 130 RBI, 33 stolen bases, a 366 average, 452 on base, and 720 slugging percentage. So, right. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy to look back at that season and just see how how good Walker actually was uh, in that um, 97 season. I mean, putting up if, I'm, I'm trying to think like if like a 9.8 war, that's basically like if you d almost double Nolan Arenado's production. Right. Or like even in early in his career, Trevor Story, you kind of double that. That's what Walker was in terms of value. And just trying to think about that. That's just uh, it's nuts, really. And also, too, it's especially since they didn't have war at the time. I say I'm kind of surprised that he won it because the Ash, uh, the uh, Rockies did not make the playoffs. The Astros did. Right. Now, and it, they it, weren't that great of a team. They were 78, <laughs> but they still they won the NL Central. So right. They got swept in the division series, but still they made the playoffs. The Rockies didn't. And that especially at the time was but still is now a big factor of, oh, if it's close, oh, this guy made the playoffs, this guy didn't. Okay, playoffs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it kind of make it, it kind of makes you wonder too if you're looking back at uh, how the voting process was in the early '90s um, with Walker, um, you know, at least leading and for everybody they got an MVP vote according to Baseball Reference here, um, you know, leading the league or at least the um, voters here with 49 home runs, and maybe that was a little bit more of a simple decision back then um, to just go with you know who had the most uh, home runs, and as long as they had some other numbers that matched up, that probably uh, lined up with it. I think that uh, Ryan Howard, I believe, won an MVP in 2008 or 2009 when he led the league in home runs. And I think that, you know, there was probably a similar thought process there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just goes to show you how far um, we've come in terms of uh, using advanced analytics and, you know, more part factored stats to really kind of uh, grade these players and really see how much value that they have. Because some of the some of the old uh, MVP votes, you know, like the 2001 with Todd Helton. You look back at it now with some of the metrics that we look at now, and you're just like, how could anyone other than Helton have won in 2000? Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's the thing. It, it wasn't it wasn't even particularly close, but mm. at the time there was definitely a course bias. But I think that's definitely gone away in the last few years. It's still there, but it's yeah. It's yeah, not it's... there as much as some people want to make it seem it is there. Yeah, and I would agree. It's definitely it's definitely still there, but I think that people are a lot more educated now. Um, even some other people trying to understand things like the Coors hangover um, and being willing to learn more about that and how that affects, you know, some of the part factored stats that the Rockies are seeing, um, you know, and how it could even affect other teams. So um, there's definitely been a lot more education about Coors and all the Coors effects uh, lately, and it definitely has helped to tone down the Coors bias that we've seen in the past yeah and with there's still a lot of people like i was on a mets podcast before the mets series and i was telling the guy about the um course hangover and after he was like wow i i never knew anything about it so and he's like mm -hmm. i have to do some more research into that so um but on the other side of this break we are going to talk something in kevin's wheelhouse that is betting and betting odds and picks for the Let's weekend. get it. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. And we are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah Yingling and Kevin Larson here with you. And we are going to talk about some betting picks and odds for the weekend. Um, so as we mentioned, the Rockies are going to be facing the Phillies. And... It will be an interesting pitching matchup for the Rockies as they have pretty much their three best starters going out there right now. Um, and then they're going to be facing Aaron Nola. So are there any uh, odds that you would want to take for the Rockies or Phillies, or would you want to go more take more of the field of the other games that are going to be played this weekend? Yeah, so I think I think that if we specifically look at uh, what's coming up here between the Rockies and the Phillies, and we kind of check out some things that have happened here in the past, I've actually. Uh found some interesting trends. Um, first off, I think that, you know, when we talk, we just got done talking about Coors and how everyone thinks that, you know, it's a, it's a major effect and you're going to score a thousand runs when you get to Coors. Um, and it's just amazing. Um, so your intuition would tell you, Hey, I don't care what game is happening at Coors. It's at Coors. I'm going to hammer the over. Uh, you actually probably shouldn't do that this weekend. Uh, the over for the Rockies this year is actually 5, 12, and 1. Um, so when we talk about like, hey, this is a mix between the Rockies have had really good outings from their starting pitching. They've kept them close in games. Um, that ties into the fact that the offense hasn't exactly been all that spectacular for us. You combine those two things and you're probably going to hit quite a few unders, right? So I would actually look at, you know, in a game between Sensatella and Nola, uh, you know, let's check and see what that uh, total is at. It's probably going to be 10 and a half, um, potentially 11 and a half. Um, I would side towards the under um, on things like that, just, just specifically based off trends. Um, just, you know, that's, that's a number that I think has been surprising to me. Um, I think that, you know, a few of the games that we had, uh, you know, with the Dodgers or the extra inning game that we had with the Diamondbacks where everything kind of, you know, blew it out of proportion. I think you sit here and you think like, Hey, 
there's been a lot of times where, like we've tweeted out tacos on Twitter a lot more than I expected that we were going to at this point in the yeah. season. So, you and know, you're like, hey, in the last two games, too. We it's six runs in back to back games, right? So you're sitting here thinking, okay, cool. This means that you know we should hammer the over. Um, but you're looking at a record of five twelve and one. So you know you have one push there. Uh, if that tells me I'm probably going to look towards the under um, in these games this weekend, just off a high level. We have to evaluate a little more where the Phillies are at, um, but. Just just based off those trends, I would expect that, you know, there might be a few unders this weekend. Yeah, and for the Phillies, um, right now, as we're talking, they are 8-9 and nine on the season. And they they have had some good offensive players, JT Real Muto, um, Reese Hoskins, Gene Segura. He, he was one of their best offensive players, but now he's on the injured list. Um, Bryce Harper has been playing really well. Um, in fact, we... Kevin Henry and I talked about him a few episodes ago of one of those guys where kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Arenado, he is, he's been very good, but he hasn't quite reached that elite level yet. And right now he's playing at an elite level. So we'll have to see if he plays like that this weekend and for the rest of the year, because entering Wednesday, he had an OPS plus of 195. Because he was in 346 with a 485 on base and a 577 slugging, so that's a little that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at some Phillies over under results. It looks like they have um, in the past week or so they've gone they have, they've had an interesting pattern. They've hit they hit the under twice in a row, then they hit the over twice in a row, then they hit the under twice in a row, and the last two games against the Giants hit the over. So if we're just so looking strictly off trends, it means under. It means we're going to have two straight unders. The Rockies are hitting the, the under at like a 66% clip, basically. Um, the under just makes too much sense based off those patterns. Um, the Phillies did, as I look back here, the Phillies did have a streak of, it looks like, seven overs in a row earlier in the season. But since then, they've kind of alternated that two unders, two overs, two overs, or two unders, two overs. You, you get the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's there's that will definitely be uh, that's one that personally I would probably look at the uh, the uh, under as well on that just even not knowing those patterns just seeing the pitching matchups where particularly with Aaron Nola going for them and then the Rockies starting pitchers considering that they've pitched well that, that would be one that I I would definitely personally take the under on on that um oh, def- oh go ahead uh, are there any other ones in baseball in general that you find particularly intriguing for this weekend? And so I I would say in baseball, so my, um, my betting mind has not necessarily looked at a whole ton of other MLB lines other than uh, the Rockies, just specifically because, you know, I like to try to let some trends build and let them develop, you know, like I, I think that so much of baseball is uh, especially when you're betting on baseball, it's really built off the starting pitching matchup. And uh, early in the season, it can be tough. If you're trying to uh, make a bet on a pitcher who is making like his second or third start versus a team that is, you know, what, at that point, probably 15 games in, I think it's really hard to know who exactly um, you're going up against, right? Uh, so like I have a story from opening weekend about betting on a game that is not uh, against the Rockies. It featured a familiar friend, um, which was the main reason that I bet on it. It was the opening weekend. uh, The Royals were playing the Rangers in Kansas City. I was looking over some lines that they had there. The Royals team total was set at like four and a half or five and a half. And I was like, that's kind of high for what I would traditionally think about the Royals. I look in and they had put up like seven and eight runs back to back. They were getting tons of hits. Um, And I was like, okay, cool. This makes sense. Then I looked at who they were going up against and it was our old friend, Jordan Lyles. I looked at some of his like stats that he had in the past year where he had like a ERA last year, like that was above seven, I think it was. And I was like, man, this makes too much sense. So I bet on the over in the third game, and I think the Royals got like two runs. <laughs> well, and also, too, I might have even been open. It was one of the first games of the season for them where the Royals, they just scored like 15 runs because I, I, I remember it was David Dahl was hitting against Greg Holland, and then two batters later, Wade Davis came in for Greg Holland. We're like, okay, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that game was just full of ex-Rockies. Um, you know, but it kind of like helps like, you know, solidify my point. Like I want to try to, um, you know, sit back and wait and see, uh, you know, what what trends really develop out of that. Um, if we're thinking more about the games this week, we talk about Aaron Nola and his, uh, you said his K per nine was about like at 10 right now. Yeah, that makes like me honest. Makes me honestly intrigued, knowing that he doesn't walk many batters. The Rockies don't walk many. The Rockies don't walk at all, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, maybe we could look at his strikeout prop and see what that's set at. I don't know what his no- what his number would normally be at um, with a K number like that. If you assume he goes to like six or seven innings, it's probably at like six and a half or seven and a half. I may entertain the over there, um, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to see what else develops. And if you bet on Jacob Degrom striking out and well Jacob deGrom and the Mets striking out as many guys as they did in that seven inning game where the Rockies are only one strikeout short of their all-time record of strikeouts in a game and it was a seven inning game (laughs) then you you probably had a big payday on that right yeah that that's it that's an easy over to take if you look at Shane Bieber um he's striking out like 10 plus batters a game right now also so he's a good over bet um one of the good trends too here's the other reason that I won't be betting on early season baseball is because sometimes I find myself uh somewhat of a jinx on certain trends so (laughs) yeah here's here's all like uh, so Shane Bieber, he's had a streak where it was like uh, it was like 14 and one. It was the first five innings under for um, any start that uh, Shane Bieber had started. Um, basically, what it is is you get a certain amount of runs per five innings, and every time that Shane Bieber started for the Indians. Uh, the under hit. It was like 14 and one. And those numbers are low. When you look at a guy like Shane Bieber, um, you know, like I think the one that I ended up betting on against the, when he was facing the Reds was that like three and a half. That's a super low number. Um, but his start before I laid off uh, because the number was low. It was like three where I could get it. I was like, that's just, that's too few runs for me. But it was the start where it was him versus Lucas Giolito and it went into extra innings tied at zero zero. So I was like, all right, whatever. That number's not too low anymore. I'm going to go ahead and hammer it. It's uh, 14 and one. Um, we'll see what happens. And then the Indians scored four runs by the fourth inning and the over hit while I had the under. So sometimes I'm a bit of a jinx. So I try to stay away from those. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of DeGrom and Bieber, and I, I heard this yesterday and this says, I'll preface the answer with this. It does not have to do with the Rockies, but entering Tuesday, so yesterday for us, um, since June 20th, 2019, the ERA leaders in baseball, in order, were Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, Jack Flaherty, and Clayton Kershaw. Can you name the sixth guy behind them? Oh, no, an ERA? Um... Ooh. I'll give you a hint. He is in the NOS. Oh, no. Let's see. Um, oh, I'm trying to go through my mind right now. It's, I want to say it'd be a guy like Walker Bueller just because he's so good against us, but um, it is not. Uh, my mind is drawing a blank, honestly. And I, your mind's drawing a blank for a good reason. It's Zach Gallon. Oh, man. Uh, he's he's a Diamondback, right? Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, he's been good. I wouldn't have expected him to be sixth in all of baseball. And the reason why June 20th of 2019, that's the day he made his MLB debut. It's, yeah, that, that makes sense. That is, uh, that's, that's crazy to think about, man. Yeah, I, I heard that. It was actually on the Reds broadcast of the game that ended up getting snowed slash rained out in the bottom <laughs> of the ninth inning. So yeah, that's right. There's been snow <laughs> too many places. So um, we'll talk about some of those stat cast numbers that we mentioned a little bit ago on the other side of this break. Back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Larson here with you. And we are going to talk a little bit about the Rockies on stat cast, particularly on offense. So now this was entering, these were entering today. So entering Wednesday, the Rockies, the, the MLB average in whiff percentage or swinging at the ball and missing it was 24.4%. 
Can you name the Rockies team leader in that department? In the whiff percentage, I would think, are, are you looking at just starters or relievers too? No, I'm, or just I'm anyone talking on the about roster. position players. Of, oh, position players, swing and miss. Yep, and any, any position players. They don't have to be league qualifiers. That makes you think maybe a guy like Josh Fuentes. Um, he is in the top five, but he is not as high as I expected. It is Sam Hilliard. Oh, he, he was going to be, he was going to be probably my second guess, just kind of knowing where his K percentage has been at in the past. Uh, um, that doesn't surprise me. His whiff percentage, 50.8%. League average is not even 25. So he is more than double Oof. the league. Average. I will say that that's better than I think I could do, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And that's better than I can do as well. But, um, first pitch swing percentage for the Rockies hitters. Um, the league average is 29%. Can you name the top guy for the Rockies in a bad way on that? Meaning his percentage is higher than league average. Oh man. I feel like I'm just going to be repeating myself here. Uh, cause like I, I keep thinking Josh Fuentes close, but he is not it. Ooh. Ryan McMahon. Huh. That's a uh... 47.7%. Fuentes was 45 and a half percent. At least, at least though, if you're looking at a guy like Ryan McMahon, at least he's still putting up some good numbers though. Yeah. So even if you're swinging at the first pitch and you know, that's not always the smartest decision, unless you've got a good read, um, you know, he's still putting up a, a WRC plus of 122. Um, you know, he's got six home runs already leading yeah. the Rockies. So at and least he he's getting all results. last year. So he, he did. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah, Fuentes is second on that. Trevor Story mm-hmm. is actually third on that, which mm-hmm. he, on some of the advanced numbers, it looks like he has been a big, big victim of just hitting the ball yeah. where fielders are. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, and I think that uh, they've talked about it on the broadcast, too, where, you know, it, it's surprising. You think we're um, almost done with April now and he hasn't hit a single home run, um, you know. But if you look at some of those expected stats, I think that he's expected that he could have already had like five or six. I believe that it was. So he's definitely uh, um, been a victim of bad luck. And I, we tweeted about this earlier today. If you had. Jonathan Daza and Dom Nunez having five times the amount of home runs than Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman through now 18 games through the season. Congratulations. You are a winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, when, I, so when I wrote my uh, preseason betting article and we looked at uh, some of those lines, I, I, I ended up, uh, at least for the article, you know, taking the under on both of their lines. So it wouldn't have surprised me if they, you know, tweaked down. But you know, to this level, like Charlie has what, like one home run, I think it is. Yeah, he has just one yeah. home run. That's uh, you expect a little bit more at this point in the season. Yeah, so far you are doing very well on your picks that you had. So not to not to brag, but <laughs> I'll stay humble. Yet, yet. I, right? I I I'll say my own lines. I'm good. If I'm tailing another trend. That's a different story, but I will take a slight humble brag right now about Ryan McMahon having six home runs, me recommending his over when it was set at 22, and we have basically the entire season left. Yeah, you still have 144 games to play. So I think, I think he's got it. <laughs> and by the way, too, with the betting odds, um, Fansided has a new partner that is WinBet, and, and in fact, if you've been watching – Rockies games, you probably have actually seen some of their ads behind home plate as they are partnered with the Rockies as well. But they are our new sponsor for yes. all of your betting picks and odds. So we will definitely here in the next few weeks and months be having some content from them. So, but as we continue on with the Statcast numbers, chase rate. Now I I'm going to preface this with they've seen more than 20 pitches this year because if you Exclude that, then Alan Trejo is the leader. He has seen 19 pitches this year. But who is the Rockies leader in chase percentage on offense? The Ooh. league average is 28.4%, and this person has a chase rate of 50%. 
That makes me think of, um, without saying some of the names that I've already said, uh, I want to I say a guy like Ryan Altapia. He is second. Ah, I keep getting second place, man. <laughs> you should have gone with your gut instinct, Josh Fuentes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 50% cha- chase rate, which obviously, cons- it's one thing if he, if he had that and he was hitting well. He's not hitting well, so. No, not. Ooh, I'm. Ooh, I'm looking at the advanced stats right now. Do you want to know what his uh, WRC plus is? Uh, if it's not negative, it's probably close to negative. I'll give you a hint. Think of a Hall of Fame Broncos quarterback Seven. that won two Super Bowls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seven. Happy birthday, John Elway. That is uh, uh, right now a WRC plus of seven. Ouch. And I also have to say, too, with uh, go, we just mentioned the chase percentage rate. Now, the chase contact rate, the league average is 58.9%. Fuentes is at 52.4%, but that is much better than a few other Rockies. Can you guess the worst Rocky in that department? In chasing and making contact? Yeah. Meaning they have the least amount of contact when they chase. Oh. Uh... That makes now I want to. I'm I'm reverting back to probably a guy like Sam Hilliard here. He is second. So you keep Again? coming. <laughs> yeah, he is second with forty percent. Number one is Ryan McMahon at thirty-seven point nine percent. Now all of these have been entering Wednesday, so perhaps after today's game they changed, but that was entering today. Right. What I will, what I will say about McMahon though is that um, you know it, looking at this stuff, like we we say he's gotten results. I think that one of the positive things that we're seeing out of him this year is there's been quite a decrease in his K percentage. I think that right. that's been one of the things that has really held him back this or the past few years. He's been at thirty one point seven percent, twenty nine point seven percent, thirty four point two percent. You know, it's really good. I think that he's decreased that um and when he's putting the ball in play uh he's getting much better contact out of it too he's striking out now uh it's dropped to 20 percent so i think that you know while some of these stats are not obviously not great for us to see um you know there's still been a lot of at least early season improvement um for mcmahon in some categories yeah and that will definitely be put to the test here in the next month because the Rockies, after the off day on Thursday, starting with their game on Friday against the Phillies, they will play 26 games in 27 days. Oof. So a lot of baseball. Had, yeah, they had they had two off days this week, and then they had a few last week, especially with the um with the snow out. But yeah, now they're they're getting into the stretch that well, uh, quite honestly, it will define their season. Right. <sighs> it'll be uh i hope they can pull through man <laughs> yeah it will be it will be an interesting stretch for them as we mentioned they're going to be facing the phillies um and then they're going to be going to san francisco after that um and then they will go to for three games with the actually four games with the diamondbacks they will come home for three games against the giants at Coors. Then they have an off day. Then they're back on the road. Three in St. Louis. They come back home. Three against San Diego. Four against the Reds. And then they go back on the road to San Diego for three before they have their next off day. So with the uh, with the course to sea level thing, they will have that, especially in the month of May, they will have it a lot because they go from Arizona and three days later go to Coors, then Four days later, they go back to sea level. And then three days after that, they're back at Coors. Yeah, it's crazy. And then even after that break, I'm looking at the schedule too. They have 10 straight games right after that also um, yeah. where they're in Arizona. And then they fly out to the East Coast for four in New York and three in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, 
and then they're off on Memorial Day. How dumb is that? That's 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 the worst, man. Baseball on Memorial Day is one of my favorite things. When uh, when my wife and I we do our stadium trips, Memorial Day is kind of one of those days that we want to try to aim for. So to not be playing baseball on that day, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Now the thing is, if you want to go travel to a park and you want to see two games on Memorial Day, you can see the White Sox and Indians in Cleveland because their game today got snowed out. Mm. So they're going to have a doubleheader on Memorial Day, but the Rockies don't play at all. So (laughs) makes total sense with the schedulers. Total sense. Yeah. And we've, uh, I mean, we've talked about that honestly too much, probably here on the podcast. (laughs) We've got to rant about something because I traditionally, I rant at the end of the podcast. So this can be my rant again, the scheduler. What the hell are you doing? So, okay. So, but I digress on that. So, any other final thoughts you have going into the series with the Phillies for the Rockies? Um, you know, I think, I think one thing that I would probably point out, um, you know, if we go back and we still talk about like, Hey, my, my Twitter feed is betting. And a lot of people have kind of like asked me this year, um, you know, Hey, I'm not exactly stoked on the Rockies. How can I bet against the Rockies? What's going to be the best strategy for that? Um, and if we're talking this weekend, I think that one thing that I want to kind of, point out to people right now is that um, they should probably be a little weary of the run line. You know, if we look at a matchup like Nolan versus Sensatella, the Phillies are probably going to be favored. Um, And on the run line, basically what that means is that if you take the Phillies while they're favored, it'll be minus one and a half. They have to win that game by two runs or more. Um, On the run line for the Rockies at Coors Field, they are nine and three in total, even when they're favored, they've been favored twice, actually, uh, this year, two of the games against the Diamondbacks. Um, and, uh, so they're, they're nine and three at Coors. So I would probably stay clear of the run line this weekend, just knowing that the Rockies do seem to play a lot better, at least early in the season, um, at Coors field. Now, when you go on the road, they're one in five, um, on the run line on the road. So that's probably a better place to, um, you know, if you want to take the viewpoint of, man, if the Rockies lose, at least I'm making money. That's probably somewhere that I would look towards. It's on the road. <laughs> yeah. But maybe avoid that at Coors and instead look at those, uh, look at those unders, not the overs, look at the under. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting too, when we talk about the first five innings and, um, it, first off, if, if you've never bet baseball and, uh, you're not sure why to bet the first five innings, it's one of my favorite things to do because basically what you're doing is you are negating the, um, game basically to just a starting pitching matchup. Cause basically your starters are going to go at least five innings and it's just much easier to look at things that way without having to rely on the bullpen. Um, the Rockies this year in the first five, they're actually nine, seven, and two on the money line in the first five innings. We talk about how they've been different at Coors. They're actually eight, three, and one on the money line in the Rockies' first five. So it's something that I think, you know, like uh, let's not quite maybe bet against the Rockies while they're at Coors and just don't always be like so negative and think, Oh, they're just going to get blown out. Right. Like I'm on the under for their win total this year, but I think that, you know, as we're seeing these trends, like maybe that's something that we need to, um, you know, maybe, maybe not have that be your instinct to be that angry against them. Um, Cause they may surprise you. And I think that we've seen that at Coors, it, it, even though it's a two game sweep against the Astros, it's a sweep against the Astros. I don't think that we saw that um, happening coming into the series. So um, I'm excited to see how this weekend goes. A uh, lot of good pitching matchups, a um, lot of good talent too. I'm excited to see Bryce Harper here uh, in uh, Colorado and um, hopefully not hit balls too far, but. <laughs> if he could save it for the home run derby, that, that oh, yeah. we'll be fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I am going to be – he can hit as many balls as he wants uh, out of Coors Field uh, during the home run derby when it's here in July. But uh, this weekend, let's keep it down because I'm probably going to be on the under. <laughs> and maybe, too, if uh, – maybe if you make a deal with him saying don't hit any, any home runs this weekend and for the home run derby, we'll, we won't put your balls in the humidor and we'll give you a metal bat. Deal? I I think that sounds like a great. That sounds exciting to me. Sign me up. I will be in right field, uh, probably the rooftop at that point. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you might actually want to be outside of Coors Field for that. Oh, that's true. Parking lots back there. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, then you don't have to pay a thousand bucks or more for the uh, for the ticket to get in. So <laughs> that's 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 true. I'm, uh, um, I am I want to see what the ticket costs are going to be. And I also don't want to see what the ticket costs are going to be. <laughs> and uh, with that, too, since we were talking sabermetric stuff, his launch angle will probably be like. 30 degrees or something just oh. absolutely mind-boggling he, he is a guy i don't know what his launch angle is but he's one where like when he gets a hold of the ball like it, it, it just goes up you know yeah. and it's like it's like the scene in uh, uh major league you're like it's too high it's too high <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> like he just he crushes balls and uh um yeah he may, just, just save him for the home run derby just save him for the home run derby bryce <laughs> yeah <laughs> so a big thank you to our sponsors earth echo foods again that promo code is minute and the number 15 at earth com slash minute media and a big sp- thank you to our sponsor win bet and finally thank you to kevin for hopping on here today with me no problem thank you for having me on noah Sounds good. And hopefully we will maybe have you back soon for some more betting as well. And as well as content on the site, Kevin always has stuff on the site, particularly betting wise, because as I said, (laughs) that is definitely in your wheelhouse. So yes. And it's fun. So, yep. And (laughs) most of all too, thank you for listening to this episode of the rocks pile Rockies report. We will be back soon with another episode. And as always, as Kevin says, Kevin Henry, that is. Go Rockies. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.